Hey guys, my name is Monte. I am a covenant member here at the well, and I'm also a member of the Parker Station CG. And I serve on the Connections team. And today I'm going to be reading uh, Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Saints, how are we? Good. Y'all were singing today, yo. Thank you. That blessed my heart. Uh, welcome to the well. Um, I feel like I need a dirt bike to like do a sermon illustration or something. I don't know what that is, but whatever. We'll see if I go over there. I ain't never been on a dirt bike in my life, but it feels like I need one. Uh, hey, Covenant members, uh, in light of last week, uh, I don't ever want to hear anyone be saying they don't be getting my emails no more. All right. <laughs> Uh, we got like 608 responses, and there's only 500 Covenant members, all right? And so, uh, no, I emailed this to the CG Shepherds, um, but I want to say this to everyone. Um, man, uh, the Lord healed me some last week, y'all, and I, I don't say that lightly or kind of passively. Uh, I actually mean that very literally. Uh, I know that I say often I love this church, and I do. I really love you all. But uh, the Lord removed like a veil I think, or like a curtain that was kind of over my eyes in different ways. And I feel like I love this church that much more, which, you know, when you're like a parent, you have your first child and you're like, how could I love anything any more than this? And then you have your second one, you're like, wow, my love actually grew, right? And it feels very similar to that in some ways. And so seeing the church wanting to be the church, like not just a Sunday gathering place, but a family, uh, not just an organization, but like a people of God, like I could worship the King right now, y'all. Um, and so thank you. Um, I came up thinking that I needed to do something and I received so much more than I feel like what I did. Um, so thank you. Um, when we were prayerfully kind of considering what to preach through, particularly after last week, the elders actually unanimously picked the same series that we were going to start last week. They kind of felt like the Lord sovereignly placed us here during this time. Uh, I was actually the only elder that was like, should we do a psalm or something, you know? And they're like, no, we're doing this. And so today, as Huli talked about, we are starting our sermon series called Fighting for Community. Uh, and as a quick reminder, what we're doing is we're journeying throughout our distinctives this year as a church body, really trying to remember like who we are, what God is calling us into, and really as we prepare to replant the well in different ways, uh, I think that this is really important that we understand what are we kind of planting, and particularly even after last week, when we think about like replanting and reestablishing and like what is God calling us into, like this is actually really significant that we would walk through some of these things. And this distinctive that we are talking about is one of the main things that I would say has made the well, the well. Um, one of the things that I hope we carry into the future in profound and in sacrificial and in redemptive and healing and evangelistic and like spurring kind of beautiful ways. And so as we thought about being empowered by the Spirit, which was our last sermon series that we talked about, uh, I don't think it's a mistake that Paul says what he says in Ephesians chapter four, verses one through six. I know that's not our text today, but I thought it was really timely kind of tying these two series together. He says, I... Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, or somebody who's suffering because of and with Christ, 
He says, walk in a manner, I urge you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And so what is this manner? How do we show the worthiness of the gospel? What does it look like to, to show that we really believe what we say we believe? He says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bear with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Notice that there is one uh, body and there is one spirit, just as all were called into one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is or over all and through all and in all. And so one of the greatest works of the Spirit and one of the ways that we partner with the Spirit is that we actually strive to have unity with and for one another. We, we seek to bear with each other. In other words, if you want to be filled with the Spirit of God, then you fight for unity with God's people. And if you do that, you will feel filled up with the Spirit in ways that you've never imagined before. Often we think of being filled with the Spirit as like doing these miraculous things to see the power of God. But, but Paul is really clear, this Spirit and this oneness of a body, when that happens, you experience God in ways that you never thought possible. And so this is important as we tie these two series together. We believe this deeply at the well. We really wanna hold this tightly as a church. Every Covenant community class, we actually ask our people that are going through it, we say, hey, um, how many of y'all were invited into something within your first two or three weeks of visiting the well? And inevitably, almost everybody's hands go up to where we have to ask the reverse question, like, hey, who wasn't invited into a group or into serving or at least to dinner or something? And there's always like three or four hands, people can slip through, but the vast majority of like 60 people classes are like, no, I was invited in because we really believe this, y'all. We want to live out this idea of community with and for and towards one another. We wanna be more than just a corporation. We want to be a gathering. We want to fight for something that is holy, that is really more kingdom-like than world-like. And in the kingdom, you and I will be unified in ways that we never even imagined possible. And I think that's actually one of the biggest ways that we heal as a church family as well. And so I think that this series is really timely. Uh, our distinctive, specifically, it reads this. It's the living, living community. Says we don't find community, we fight for community. Growth is not done in isolation. The Lord's army doesn't enlist privates. We grow best when we do it in community with others. As a church, we do this through our Sunday gatherings, our community groups, our missional communities like the GMCs and, and our 10-week groups, our support groups like our purity groups or our mom's Bible studies or whatever and through personal discipleship. Within this, we strive to be a diverse community that foreshadows our true home, modeling the beauty of heaven until it comes. And so one of our prayers is that this series actually heightens our thirst for community, that even in light of last Sunday, that we would see the need for community, we would see the need for confession, the need for accountability, the, the need for friendship, the, the bearing with one another so that we might overcome sin in our life and help others overcome it in theirs as well. We really want you to be in each other's lives, y'all like deep into them, because honestly, as we'll see in a second here in this psalm, it's almost impossible to exalt community too highly. 
It's almost impossible to, to, to name its value. So it could feel weird, like, thinking about everything going on in the world to, like, focus on this. But I'm saying, like, this is where we find healing. This is where we actually interact with God most clearly. And I can think of nothing more that I want for our church right now than to interact with God. And I think it happens in the context of community. And so what we're doing in this series, we're taking the words written by either David or Solomon or Rehoboam, and we're kind of showing either the beautiful examples of community or the ones that we should kind of avoid because of the foolishness of that. David was one of the great kings of Israel, one of the greatest kings and a Christ figure. John, or, I'm sorry, Solomon was his son, and then Rehoboam was Solomon's son. And so we're kind of going through those, and how do we apply that into our life? And so as we begin, this is an awesome example of David, of what community really should look like at its highest form. And it starts off saying, hey, a song of ascents. That's kind of the first part of the song. Now, most of us, when we're reading, we just kind of tend to skip over stuff like this because it kind of seems like the prelude in different ways. Like, you know, the special thanks part of the book where it's like, I like to thank my wife and my kid and my cat. It seems like it's insignificant to the book, right? Uh, but every word in scripture is breathed out by God. All of it is inspired and all of it is profitable. So, so why does the author want us to know that this is a song of ascents? Well, the Jewish people, they would three times per year travel from all these different villages and towns and countries that they were live, living in, and they would come to Jerusalem for one of the main feasts, and they would all worship God together there. Jerusalem was up on a mount or a mountain of sorts, and so they would literally ascend together, hence song of ascent. They would usually come from these lower plains or valleys and ascend up to Jerusalem together. And as they ascended, they would be singing these psalms, which are found from Psalms 120 to Psalm 134. So this is the second to last song that they would sing before reaching Jerusalem. And so what you have here is you have all of these various peoples with various locations and various tribes, all with various cultures as they are kind of building their own communities and all coming together to meet in Jerusalem to worship God together. There's all of this diversity and, and all of this complexity of all of these tribes, but there's one overarching theme that is unifying all of them. It is the worship of God. And is that not even more true today? You see, it's glorifying because in some ways it shows this diversity of God, all of these different peoples kind of coming to the throne room of God together. And it's unifying because even though everyone is different, they were all under the same banner, literally singing the same song. That's what we do every Sunday in some ways. And this is what this psalm is trying to highlight is that there's something unique that happens when the saints of God, who apart from Christ, would have absolutely nothing in common, come together to unify their voices to worship God. There is something divine that begins to happen in our soul as we practice that. It's sacred in different ways. When there's nothing in common but Christ, and then you realize you have everything in common, I think about that even with some of my good friends, for example, Jacob and Milana Brown. We're staying in their house right now because we're in between 55,000 houses. And um, as we're staying there, like, you know, we're there for a few weeks. And so I want to take some of my shirts and hang them up in the closet because can't be having wrinkles, you know what I'm saying? 
And so I took the shirts and I hung them up and I'm having to move like cowboy boots and like belt buckles and like cowboy hats and like a saddle, y'all. There's like saddles in this thing, all right? And I'm like, me and this man have nothing in common, okay? Like, I know nothing about this life, and yet he's one of my dearest friends. Why? Because we do have everything in common. We have Christ. And so, of course, I don't know anything about horses and all these deer antlers he got hanging up around his house, but I know about the Lamb of God, amen? That wasn't even planned, all right? Like, listen, the people of Israel as well, they too, they came from all of these different cultures and had different expressions and different experiences. And they were coming to Jerusalem in all of these different states, some of them in poverty, some of them in great wealth, all of these different emotional states where some of them are apathetic or some of them are longing or some of them are hurting or some of them are angry. And and you and I, we can experience some of the same things and yet they're all coming together, singing the same song, worshiping God, and this is bringing healing, y'all. There's power in the midst of this when we come together to gather into the greater Jerusalem, it does something to our hearts. And we're ascending a greater mountain together today, y'all. That's what we're doing here. You see, they met yearly to offer a sacrifice in worship of their God that they might be cleansed, but we gather weekly to ascend to a better Jerusalem, not to offer a sacrifice, but to remember the sacrifice that was offered for us that we might receive him and be re-cleansed in different ways. This is what we get to do every single week. Ascend and we receive and then we go back down the mount and tell others. And so this idea of what's happening here is immediately hitting on both of our distinctives. There's this diversity and there's this importance of community. All of these different peoples coming together to worship God, which is healing, we get to do the same thing, y'all. We ascend to the mountain together. So we fight for community, literally just by showing up and by being present. And we're a diverse community that highlights the beauty of God together in a way that you cannot get in a monolith, y'all. You're getting different pictures of Christ as we gather like this. And so this, David, like it got this man lit, right? Like he was like, look, he wrote about the beautiful gathering of the saints and David says, hey, behold this thing. That's, that's the first word there, behold. Like have you ever done that, y'all? Like have you ever just, just looked? You know what I'm saying? Like, um, like, do you remember last week if you were here, like looking at the elders, okay, looking at each other, like looking at Mary jumping up and, and leading worship for us, like, like looking at Kendall freaking like slip me some tissue and then run off stage like a ninja. I didn't even know who did it. Y'all probably didn't even see it. I was like, there's tissue on my lap. I don't know who did that, right? It's like, hey, like look, like look. Like, look at the faces of God. Like, look and stare and be amazed and and meditate on this reality. Realize the gift that God has given you. Realize the gift that it is to be around people who are pursuing Christ together, each in these different ways, but, but trying to push us into the sacredness of God. Notice, behold is an action, y'all. Like beholding, it takes you doing something. You, you have to actively do this. And so if you just show up, right, in like CGs or just show up in relationships, and if you do not offer your true self to others, if you just show up at church gatherings, you might miss what's going on here, y'all. You have to behold this. But when you do, right, 
And when I, when I look at different people who have blessed me in so many different ways, like when I look at Jesse, when I look at the Newells, when I look at Renji or, or Rebecca who bought me my latte today before I came in here, thank you, I'm like amped now, okay? <laughs> like literally, when you recognize the gift that they are to this church, what you're doing is you're seeing pictures of Christ in each other. Don't miss me there, y'all. Look, like look. And what you're seeing is pictures of Jesus that you cannot see in isolation. Like I know you look like Christ, but I'm telling you, you don't look like him that much. <laughs> there are pieces of you that are beautiful, hallelujah. There are pieces of you that need to be sanctified. And if you don't have others, you're not getting a full picture of Christ, y'all. So as we behold, as we, as we look, we're getting pictures of Christ that literally heals our soul in ways that we did not know we needed, just like happened to me last week. In other words, y'all, you are a part of something more sacred than you realize. You're a part of something more sacred than you realize, even in this literal moment, like right now. He goes on, he says, how good, right? Like it ain't just good, it's, it's very good. This is Genesis two type of language. This could have been written without the how there. It could have just been, hey, like, like it is good. When brother says, no, 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 how good is it? Like God created man, he said it's not good for man to be alone, so then he created Eve and then called them together very good. It is very good, how good, when we dwell with one another in unity. Uh, it's not a mistake that community is such a pivotal theme throughout the scriptures, that it's very good because our God is a communal God. He exists in eternal community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each having perfect relationship with one another. And because we were made in God's image and likeness, it makes sense that we best operate, that we best exist when we are in authentic, vulnerable, genuine community because our God eternally exists in that, y'all. Like, we thrive when we act like Christ, and there might be very little ways that we act like Christ more than being in community with each other. He eternally exists in it, right? We were made for one another. It's not insignificant that there are over 100 one another's throughout the New Testament. Like, do all of these things with and for one another. It's not insignificant that loving our neighbor is like the great command to love God. Like we're kind of putting these things on similar playing fields here, or even as you remember the passage from last week, that literally loving each other helps us fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians says. In fact, in Galatians 6, verse 2, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, last week we focused on verse 1 and 3 because of what was happening in our congregation, but notice what's sandwiched in between there. This is why we use the term to fight for community because it isn't always easy, but it is always good. Y'all, you need to hear me say that. In fact, I'm off my notes for a second, okay? I'm going over, Kendall, I'm sorry. Y'all, it's not always easy, okay? Like, I can tell you that literally last week, feeling like this confusion with friendship and like what is happening, it's not easy. I am telling you it is always good that it is necessary to continue to fight for the importance of community, that we continue to strive to bear with one another. You know why? Because Satan tries to attack the good things of God. 
Didn't I say that two straight weeks, y'all, right? A couple sermons ago, and then the sermon before last week, like, and our flesh also tries to reject the things that are good. We want to write our own good apart from God. We eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we try to tell ourselves what is good, and then we reject the things of God, but I am telling you that it is good to fight for community to push back darkness relationally with each other, we have to fight for this reality, y'all. Like listen, if community is one of the truest reflections of God, then we also have to assume it is one of the things that Satan attacks the most. Satan likes to destroy the things of God, meaning that community at times is gonna be hard and it's gonna hurt, y'all. And you'll feel your flesh jump up and you'll feel it try to create division between you and between others, or you will try to hide from each other in shame, but we have to fight for each other just as Christ has fought for you. Don't miss that. Christ has fought for you, beloved, and we then imitate him as we fight for each other as well. Notice the word here again, it says that we dwell with each other. How good it is when we dwell. Not just like see each other like once every six months, no, no, no. Literally live in each other's lives. We're to do life together in unity with brothers or brothers and sisters. We are to live at peace with all men. The scripture is really clear about that. Jesus loves the entire world. He gave his life for all of the world. Yet there's this deep intimacy between brothers that travels even deeper in some really sacred ways. Once again, Galatians 6, okay, the passage we kept talking about. That, uh, that section ends in verse 10. It says this, it says, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do, there's that word again, good to everyone, but especially to those who are in the household of faith. Community is good, but it's not just good, it's also pleasant, David goes on to say. Not everything that God has for us always feels pleasant. You know what I'm saying? Like, like killing sin is good, but it doesn't always feel pleasant. Because at times it's you picking up your cross and dying, and dying never feels good, right? And so it may feel like you kind of want the fast food effects of sin over the, the slow-cooked meal of the goodness of God, And so we kind of rush past some of it, and that may not always feel pleasant, but David says, no, 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 community, it is good and it is pleasant. This word pleasant is actually the Hebrew word for an orchestra, and so it's beautiful when there are all these different instruments with all these different purposes, each playing different sounds, but all on the same notes with this unified purpose. It's something to behold, it is pleasant to our souls. David says this is what community is like. Now, how good is community? Well, he says it's like the oil that's on Aaron's beard, he goes on. That's a strange way of describing this, isn't it? <laughs> All right? It's like, do you like your community group? It's like, oh my gosh, it's like oil dripping down Tori's beard. <laughs> uh, if anyone ever says this, tell an elder because they're gonna have to find another church. <laughs> All right? Look, it's like precious oil, right? It's like running down on his head, onto his clothes. Like this oil ruining his whole fit, y'all. 
right? And so what is this? Well, here's what's happening. Aaron was the high priest of Israel. And what would happen, or what happened in Exodus and in Numbers and in Deuteronomy was that the, the Israel set up this sacrificial system as a representation of what is happening between them and God. What happens is you would take a lamb inside of this sacrificial area and you would literally kill the lamb. And what would happen is the priest would lay his hands on the lamb's head as a representation of all of the sin, all of the filthiness going onto that lamb and the purity of the lamb coming onto the priest to cleanse us. And he would kill the lamb showing there's this substitute on our behalf. There's a separation between us and God. We cannot go in if we are unclean, but here comes the cleanliness allowing us into the presence of God. But a trick was, only the high priest could go and do that offering. And Aaron was the first high priest that was able to do that. And so people, David is saying here, the, the analogy that he's giving to us, he says, community, it's not equal to, notice the word like there, that's a really important word, okay? It is like this moment where they experience intimacy with God and we're reminded of the salvation that they had with God. David says community is like that moment. What? What? Notice what he's saying here, y'all, because it should sound almost blasphemous to us in some ways. Community is like, it is similar to us having salvation with God. That's what David is painting here. I mean, do y'all really believe that? Like, do you really believe the depth of what David is talking about here? Love God and love your neighbor is like it, Jesus says as well. There's a reason why Christ established the local church rather than just saving us into isolation. There's a reason why we will be together with all of the saints at the eschaton, the, the end times, as we are worshiping Christ together. There's a reason it always talks about all of the saints of God together. There's a reason why it's not good for man to be alone, so God continues to create. Community is important for our spiritual livelihood, y'all. Not just important, community is necessary for it. It's necessary for it. It is not a stretch to say that our spiritual dependency, our vibrancy is interconnected to community as well. And David isn't just saying this in isolation either. David knows what this is like. This psalm was written in the context of First Chronicles chapter 11. And it'll be on the screen, you don't have to turn there. But in First Chronicles 11, what was happening was David, after years of turmoil, was finally being anointed as king. And here he is, the, the king of Israel. And it says this in verse one. It says, then all, all, Israel gathered together to David at Hebron and said, behold, we are your bone and flesh. In times past, even when Saul was king, it was you who led us out and brought in Israel. And the Lord your God said to you, you shall be the shepherd to my people Israel and you shall be prince over my people Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron and David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel according to the word of the Lord by Samuel. And then what happens is they go and they take over some other land and this kingship is established. But notice that it was community that made David the king. 
Because seven years prior to this, God had actually said, this is the king of Israel, but it did not take effect until seven years later when the community came and also made it real as well. It was community that helped him achieve the purposes of God in his life. He literally needed others to help carry out his own personal call before God. Y'all tracking with what I'm saying here? Like most of us are out here trying to make it by ourselves. We're just trying to, to do us apart from the people that God has placed us around. And I'm telling you, you will not be able to do that because God's calling on your life always has to do with multiple other people. But as you're around other people, they affirm or they encourage or they sanctify or they sharpen or they direct the calling that God has on your life. You need community for your very calling, family. Not just your livelihood, but even as you live out this walk with God. Listen, as much as I was serious about killing sin last week, I am equally as serious this week about community's importance, y'all. It cannot be overstated. It is one of the biggest ways that you and I endure in this Christian life. I love that passage in Chronicles, by the way. Look at it again. It says, my bone and my flesh if you're familiar with the scripture, you know that's kind of a call out to Genesis 2 once again. Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh is what Adam says to Eve. And I think that when we hear those words, we often think that that sort of intimacy can only be found in the context of marriage. And listen, it's beautiful. Marriage is one of the representations and example of community between us and God. But it's not the only expression, y'all. Like the body of Christ is communal and is like that for each other as well. This is why it's so beautiful according to David. And so David, back to the psalm, he says, it's like this idea of Aaron, right? It is salvific. When we're real, when we're authentic, when we're open with one another, it literally saves us, y'all. Don't miss me, right? Like, like and when we're real, you hear me? When we're authentic, when we're open with each other, it literally will save us. It will save us when we allow community to help us in this walk with God. It will save us from sin, it will save us from ourselves, it will save us into what God is calling us into. Community, Paul even says, ushers in the kingdom of God in really unique ways. So David continues with this imagery. He says it's not only similar to salvation, but there's this idea of refreshment as well. He says it's like Mount Hermon, right? Which this mountain was actually found in the middle of its desert. And there's all this desert land around it, but then all of a sudden there's this mountain. And because of how it's situated, there's all of this vegetation and this life and these animals and all of this refreshment that's there in some ways. And so here we are in the middle of the desert and there's this thing that is springing forth life, water that's giving refreshment. Like, it's a desert-like world out there sometimes, y'all. In fact, it's a desert in your own soul at times. And do you know what brings refreshment? Community. That's what David's saying. It's like Mount Hermon. Community brings this refreshment when you feel dry. So if you in this season feel grieved by the weight of sin, do you know one of the things that helps heal you from that? Community. If you in this season feel angry, do you know one of the things that helps you walk with the love of Christ? Community. If you feel the need to, to, to be picked up to awake, O oh, sleeper, and to run for the kingdom of God, do you know what does that? Community. Community helps each other in the midst of this. Why? Because in community, there is a life forevermore. So David says there at the end, 
It reminds us of eternity. Notice, very good, that's Genesis 2 type language. Life forevermore, that's Revelation 21 type language. Community is traced from the start to the end of the entire Bible. And when it is done right, it does something to your soul, family of God. It reminds you of the inner image that you've been created in between you and God. And it gives you these fragrances of the garden where there was no sin and these images of the of the future, y'all, where there will be sin no more. Community is significant because of all these things that it does. And David says, behold this, y'all. Like, really look at it. Like, let that sit into your soul, not just in the midst of a sermon, not just in the midst of a psalm. Like, like think about the importance of community. Um, you wouldn't be a Christian if it weren't for it. Somebody shared the gospel with you, Right? Somebody started bringing you into the glories and the beauty and the freedom that is found in Christ. Community is so necessary. Now this type of unity takes time, right? Like this didn't just randomly happen for David. First Chronicles 11 was written after all of these years that he was suffering with these brothers in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of running from King Saul, in the midst of all of this sin, like, like this took time. And in our social media culture, I believe that we often want the depth of covenant relationship with the same amount of time that it takes to build pseudo acquaintances. Right? And that it takes time, y'all, to be able to do this. And remember, Satan is going to attack community. He's going to give you nine good friendships, God is, and then one of them's going to go sour. And rather than focusing on the fact that God is nine for ten, you focus on the fact that Satan is one for ten, but then you kind of blame God on that and you isolate yourself. Don't do that, y'all. Don't do that. Yes, it is going to hurt at times. Yes, there is going to be wounding. Yes, there is going to be confusion. But Satan wants to destroy the good things of God. Don't let him do that. Don't let him do that. Fight for community. We have to be listening to others. We have to be welcoming of others. We have to be patient with others. We have to endure with others. But as we do that, who are we imitating? Christ. Which means... You're being transformed into the image of Christ. And as you practice being like Christ, guess who gets built up? You. Because you're experiencing Christ near to you because you're acting like Christ who does the same thing with us. As you give yourself to community, you're literally imaging Christ. And Christ is the one that fulfills this psalm to perfection for us, does he not? He's the greater David and the greater community builder. You see, Jesus is the better priest with the better anointing oil, his blood that flows down from his head onto his beard, onto the clothes which are scattered on the ground. As Aaron's oil was a rich fragrance showing his set-apartness, Christ's oil, his blood, was actually his curse. Why? So that you and I, who should never be in community with one another, might now have community forever, not just with each other, but even with God himself. Christ became that priest for us. Rather than the oil that blesses, it was the blood and the tree that dishonored, and yet it brings a deeper unity than any oil ever could. It draws us into a deeper family than we could ever imagine. Instead of Mount Hermon, where this water flowed down in the righteousness of, of Christ, it was actually Golgotha, the, the place of the skull, the opposite of a mountain of refreshing. It was a mountain of death. And yet Christ died so that you can have this refreshment. Heaven came down, and the man that was in fellowship forever 
was separated from that fellowship with God so that you and I who should not be able to have fellowship with God or fellowship with one another might now have that, that we might walk in the beauty and the goodness of God. And through his resurrection, you've been grafted into a family, a family, a family, a family, y'all, not a church, not just some kingdom where you're like your own little king running this like island. Who wants to do that? That's isolated and terrible, right? Haven't you seen Castaway or some other movie like that? I am legend. Nobody likes those, right? It's like you're by yourself. No, no, no. You've been saved into a family, y'all. And it's sacred in these really beautiful ways. And so community is sacred. It's part of what Christ died for on the cross, y'all. Ephesians chapter 2, union with you and God. But then the second half of chapter 2 is union with each other. So when you forsake community, you're literally forsaking part of the work of Christ on the cross. We need this with one another. I think about community and how important it's been for me, even over this past week. I think about at the end of the second gathering last week, I just walked off. I think I was just like really heavy and Salone was one of the first persons that came over to me. I just gave his man a hug and just started like weeping, right? Just like weeping. And there was something really sacred that happened there. And he said, man, I remember when I hugged you just weeping like a few months ago because I was really like overflowing with like all that God was doing. Like I'm glad to get to do this with you now. And that just made me cry all the more, right? It's like somebody like rubs your back when you're crying. It's like, stop, dog. I'm not trying to cry no more, right? I think about the Levas. Danny asked one of the first questions in the first gathering last week, who is starting up a community group for families in particular because it's really, really hard to have community when you got like 35 little, little uh, children running around, right? I almost said something else, right? I think about the Oberskis, who I just saw a second ago, who literally fight for this in the midst of family, in the midst of trying to like foster and adopt and even start up like potentially a nonprofit to be able to serve others, which y'all, in the midst of even this current climate of what's happened, our church fosters more kids per capita than any other church in Austin. And so all the talk about like, well, Christians don't be not bump that, yo, Christians be doing work, y'all. And there's people that are trying to find this community even for others that may not be able to have it, like foster children at times. And there's other people who, man, they don't feel called to that specifically, but they come around and they support in these other ways and they encourage, like, like that's community, y'all. And it's long, it's, it's, it's healing, it, it can literally save people, y'all. Like, I think about uh, Sunday mornings, now that we meet in the afternoon, hopefully not for too much longer, but... While we meet in the afternoons, like, there's all these, like, black men that meet in houndstooth from here at the well. And I walk in, and it's, like, all these brothers. And I'm, like, whoo <laughs> Right? And I can't be there because I got a sermon prep, but I love it. And I love, it's like, hey, what does it look like to be, like, community with and for one another? I think about the Cedar Park CG, which is really beautiful because it has, like, older people and younger people and new families and newly married. And it's this generational diversity that begins to create health in every single person within each generation. I think about the response from last Sunday, y'all. It was all of this community. It was these people that wanted to love and to fight and to sacrifice for and to lift up and to tear down the strongholds of sin and to nurture but protect and to encourage but to warn. And it was this beautiful picture of the kingdom of God, y'all. Like, did you behold it? Did you, did, you, did you grab a hold of it and see 
What if we did that week in and week out throughout our entire lives? I promise you'll make it to the kingdom at the end, y'all. Because sometimes you just need other people pulling you along. As you're lame, you need four friends to carry you and put you before the feet of Jesus. We need each other, y'all. And that's what David is picturing here. And that's what we get to do. And so there's a lot of things that I hope and pray for the well. But one of the things I pray the most is what has made us such a sacred place, that we would always be a people that fight for community. It is healing, it is beautiful, it is nurturing. Let us always fight for community. Amen? Amen. I love you guys dearly. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for community. Uh, that you save us, Christ, into a family of God. That we're not out here solo, trying to run life. That we get each other. And God, we need you right now as a church. We need you. Not just because of corporately everything going on, but even individually in each of our lives, there are things that we, we literally need you, God. And part of the way that you give yourself is through one another. So I pray that we would receive that. We would receive your grace and mercy to us. Um, Christ, I pray for healing over our church, even right now. I pray for healing over relational wounds, over the lie that Satan gives to us that it's not worth fighting for community, that we'll just get hurt or it's too much work or I pray we would spit in Satan's face. That we would believe so deeply in your word that we would risk it in some ways to continue to fight for community with each other. God, I pray for those of us in here who, I mean, we may not even know where we're at with you. We may know that we're not a Christian. We may be trying to explore the faith. And I know before we can have deep intimacy with others, we have to have deep intimacy with you because you are love. And as we receive you, then we receive a love that we cannot give devoid of you. And so Christ, I pray for everybody in here who is searching for you, Christ. Friend, I want you to know you can have relationship with the God of the universe, community with God. And as you acknowledge in your heart, Christ, I want you, I need you, I, man, there's something about this God, like, like I desire to be a part of this family, like that's part of the gift of salvation as we give our lives to Christ, you can do that today. To surrender your life to just say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And he is yours and you are his as you do that. And God, for each of us who have made that profession, you saved us into a family. I pray very simply 
that through the ups and the downs, through the mountains and the valleys, through the highs and the lows, that we would be a really sacred family for each other. We love you, Christ. Praise in your beautiful name.